Hello and welcome to We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know that you do too. Well, this week at the We Love Books headquarters, we've had quite a few visitors. A Slytherin snuck in by the name of Laura Ellen Anderson. She's the writer of the fantastic Amelia Fang series, amongst plenty of other things, and she's also a phenomenal illustrator. She really does draw absolutely gorgeous pictures. I'm more of a Ravenclaw myself, but I do have a trait or two of the Slytherin house about me, and I'm very proud of it. We've got our own in-house writer extraordinaire, Dave, back in. Well, we say back in, but really he just lives in the basement in his magical laboratory where he spends all his time cooking up the recipe for the perfect kids' book, and he shares his secrets with us a little bit later. First, though, it's over to you. I've got an absolute ton of favourite kids' authors, including, but definitely not limited to, Roald Dahl, Louisa May Alcott, Frances Hodgson Burnett, and a ton more, but I won't go on now. I wanted to hear what authors you love. My favourite author is Julia Donaldson, because she writes books about different stuff, some stuff that, like, includes people, and you can read them when you're young, and it'll also be fun to read them when you're older. I have two favourite authors, J.K. Rowling and um, David Williams, because I love his books the way, like, they're all really funny. And I like J.K. Rowling because I love her books because they're all magical and stuff. Enid Blyton. Because the minute I started reading them, I, I just couldn't stop reading. Dr. Seuss. Because he made lots of interesting books. Even ones that are not quite true, but it also helps me imagine I can do it actually in real life. Now on We Love Books, it's time for We Love Reviews. Well, you might have heard of the Irish legend, The Children of Lear, a story in which a wicked stepmother turns four children into swans and forces them to wander Ireland for 900 years. It's retold for us in a new book by Laura Ruth Marr, and it's illustrated by Connor Bustudel. Martin is our reviewer today. Let's see what he thought. This is Martin Campanardo reviewing The Children of Lear, retold by Laura Ruth Maher and illustrated by Connor Bustle. The Children of Lear is about the children of the King Lear. It is set in the Celtic time, it's before the Christian Camps 900 years ago. The book is sent in more fantasy and it's a classic Ireland myth, which I recommend people to to read it if they like it. I would recommend it to people who like myths or legends. The book has this string which you use it as a bookmark, which is really useful, but the book is also short so it doesn't really come in use that much. The children really, was really good, I prefer the writing level than the drawings, but the book felt longer. It also felt like some of the versions got down, but it still made, made it good though. The Children of Beard is a really good written goodly and sometimes illustrations are good and I think this is a I think a 6 to 10 uh, for the age limit Now on We Love Books Belches rainbow pants and peanut butter and jam sandwiches. It's time for our interview with an author and today we delve into the wonderful world of Amelia Fang with her creator, Laura Ellen Anderson. She's a writer, an illustrator and a Slytherin. Although, as you'll find out, she came in disguise. Very tricksy of her. The Amelia Fang series is a wickedly funny trip through the world of vampire Amelia and all of her friends and family and I wanted to know where did that idea come from? I I always like to say that I wish 
I could say that I was like JK Rowling in this swanky independent cafe. Um, but no. So I was sitting in Acosta eating a peanut butter and jam sandwich. Nice. And I was trying to come up with ideas for um, a young chapter book, a funny book, uh, with a gothic twist as well, because I'm very inspired by the works of Tim Burton. And I was doodling away and she started off as a doodle in, I think it was October 2015. And she started off as this spoiled, mean vampire princess. And then as I was developing the characters and the story, I decided I didn't want her to be this mean character. She needed to be someone the reader could aspire to be like and relate to and really root for. So I kind of amended the design and I made her the brave and happy, loyal vampire that we see today. So the name Amelia Fang... Again, it just rolled off the tongue, a fang obviously being a vampire, and Amelia just worked. Amelia was just born, and then from there I could develop her friends, Florence and Grimaldi, and really build her world and get to know her family. And she developed as a character from there, and she's still developing as a character now, still five books down the line. For all the kids who are listening, what is the funnest thing about being the creator of Amelia Fang? Gosh, there's lots of things. It's really hard to choose. But it's being able to just delve into this world of weird and wonderful creatures. And what's really lovely is being able to write about perhaps experience I experiences I've had in my life or when I was a kid. Um, but being able to write about them from the point of view of the characters in my book. And so, for example, Amelia has fallouts with her family or her friends that she has to deal with in her own way. So she's facing the same challenges, going through the same things we go through in life, but it's being able to write about it in a fun and accessible way the kids might be able to kind of have a laugh about. Um, But I really love writing about the gross things they eat as well, because I loved reading things like The Twits um, by Roald Dahl and illustrated wonderfully by Quentin Blake when I was younger. And I just I always remember that scene where Mrs. Twit puts her glass eyeball into Mr. Twit's drink. And when he gets to the bottom of the drink, she says, I told you I was watching you. And that bit has always stayed with me. Um, and it's just like being inspired by the things I loved to read about as a kid and being able to inject them into my stories. So anything gross and weird and funny and the dialogue between the characters, that is super, super fun. They have different ways of reacting to things and I just love writing the character of um, Tangine and his interaction with um, the character of Florence as well. I wanted to ask you about Florence. I feel like I know several Florences in my life. Is she based on anyone? I know people who speak Speak like that in capital letters. Amazing. See, I I don't know because I don't really know anybody like Florence. So I always say to people that Amelia Grimaldi and Florence are kind of a a mixture of who I am and who I want to be more like. Interesting. I mostly like Amelia and Grimaldi, uh, but I want to be more like Florence because she just doesn't care what anyone thinks. She's really brave. Uh, she's much taller, so I can do with growing a few inches, and she's really hairy, which would save on heating bills. Um, <laughs> and again, yeah, she speaks in this really bold voice all the time. Um, <laughs> and she's such a fun character to write. But yeah, I don't know any Florences, but I do base a lot of characters um, sometimes on people I know, or there'll be little sayings they'll say, or I will purposefully 
put in a friend or someone I know into the book. And do people always recognise it when you write about them or do you have little secrets and little bits of inspiration that you keep to yourself? Yeah, well, quite often because I get overexcited, um, I talk about it with them. So um, an author friend of mine called Carl Newson, he was one of the mummy maids in the book. And my partner, Jamie, he's a bumbly corn uh, king bee in another book. And um, so they tend to know. There's been the, the odd time where I've forgotten. <laughs> I put my agent into it as one of the mummy maids and I forgot <laughs> to let her know before she kind of uh, proofread the book. She was like, hi, <laughs> I'm this, this mummy maid here. And uh, I'd make, she's not like this. She's absolutely lovely, but I made her this kind of really grumpy mummy maid as a joke. <laughs> and, um, but no, she absolutely loved it. But um, yeah, there have been times where people have discovered themselves in there without me telling them, which is quite fun. <laughs> Something else that's really fun is you're here in a Gryffindor scarf. Mm. Are you a big Harry Potter fan? I am a big Harry Potter fan and um, this is kind of controversial because I am not actually in the house of Gryffindor. Are you a Slytherin or are you a Ravenclaw? Because I am a Ravenclaw. very well be a Slytherin. (laughs) I just love the colours of the Gryffindor. So I do love Slytherin scarf, but this one seems to be bigger and warmer. um, So perfect for the current climate. If you could write one children's book that you didn't write, if you could take credit for one kid's book and put your name on it instead of the author's, whose book would it be? Goodness me, that's a really good question, a really hard one. It's really mean. so many books I wish I'd written. Obviously, I mean, I'm not going to go with the obvious Harry Potter. I think everyone wished they had come up with Harry Potter. Perhaps either The Worst Witch, which is one of my favourites, um... Or it, it might have to be a Roald Dahl book because I do just adore his books. And actually, one of my other favourite Roald Dolls is called The Magic Finger. And one of my favourites. One of the lesser known ones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Some yeah. people haven't heard of it. And I'm like, oh, you need to read this. Um, it's fantastic. But if I'd had Roald Dahl's writing ability and Quentin Blake's illustration ability combined, yes, I think The Magic Finger is definitely one one of my favourites and one I would have liked to have written. And what is your top tip for kids who are listening who would love to be the next big author and they want, they want to do their illustrations and all that? Uh, so they have big dreams, but they don't quite know how to achieve. What would be your like one takeaway tip? Keep reading, writing and drawing and being inspired. I mean, I know that's thawing one, but I mean, it's so, so important. When I was younger, first thing I used to do when I got back home from school was just draw loads because I I was an illustrator before I became an author but by reading and writing you are constantly developing your writing skills and by reading you can really put yourselves into character shoes and kind of just immerse yourself into the worlds and get to know what's popular in children's books so just reading writing drawing and uh, and being inspired and uh, I always have a, a really a lovely story I like to share with kids who may think it's out of reach, for example. Uh, when I was younger, again, I, I read the Worst Witch series by Jill Murphy and I was so, so excited about her series and she's a big inspiration of mine. And then I think it was about a year ago, I saw my third Amelia Fang book, The Green One, 
in the window of a bookshop sitting next to Jill Murphy's newest Worst Witch book. Wow. And I just could never have imagined, <laughs> you know, my own book sitting next to one of my author idols um, when I was younger. So it, it's not impossible at all. I think sometimes people see authors as these kind of just majestic beings and I could never be an author but you definitely can you just got to have that passion and absolute determination so you just keep doing what you're doing if it's something you want to do you can do it it is super scary when you put your story out there and people are going to be reading it but you've just got to not be scared you've got to just bite the bullet and do it <laughs> Now, the Amelia Fang books are absolutely filled with hilarious descriptions and, frankly, quite unorthodox goings-on, at least for us humans. So I wanted to ask Laura a few questions about some of the finer points of life in Nocturnia. Where can I get a pet pumpkin? Because I know they don't grow in every situation and sometimes it's easier to get them to grow than others. Where can I get... I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a big garden, so I'm kind of looking for the easiest option here. Well... Pet pumpkin can be made from anything. So if you're handy with your creative skills, you can always use a bit of cotton wool and some orange material to create uh, a squishy ball shape <laughs> and then draw a lovely face. Or you can draw your own pumpkin and just imagine that he is alive. But I recommend that kind of around Halloween time, you could always collect a pumpkin, a variety of pumpkin from a pumpkin patch and just draw some eyes and a mouth on that and they magically become your pet for a while until they get a little bit mouldy inside. <laughs> <laughs> My next question is, can you explain belch to our listeners? So it can either be a sound effect, like a burp, or in um, Amelia and the Lost Yeti Treasures, for example, um, there are bottles of bubbled belch, vintage bubbled belch, belch actually it's quite hard to say out loud <laughs> like a tongue twister um and basically it's a bubbly liquid um very tasty that you can drink um and it makes you float and the more you drink of it the more the higher you will float so in order to get yourself back down to the ground you need to burp a few times to release some air and you will slowly come back down to the ground again i like that it's not rude to burp in Yeti oh, culture. No, not at it's all. In wonderful. Amelia as well, it's yeah. got to, you know, it's got to be done, really. But, uh, <laughs> the Yetis are, are fond belchers and they also love prancing and it's tradition to uh, bottom bump a birthday Yeti. So, you know, like you would uh, high-five someone, they just kind of bump bottoms as many times as their age. Uh, I want to know where I can buy a mudworm cake. Mudworm cake, you can get that from a bakery in Nocturnia called Drop Bread Gorgeous, most probably. <laughs> uh, we will see that in the of book six. How would you explain a Yetivator? Yetivator, that is like a lift or elevator uh, that you find in the Yeti mountain pits. But the Yetivator doesn't just go up and down. It goes diagonal, round and round. There's a button with a pie on it, which we're not quite sure what that does. <laughs> One day, if you enter Yetivator, you could find out. Do you organise your socks in order of softness, like Prince Tangine? I should do, um, but my sock drawer... Now, I am a very tidy person, uh, which Tangine is too, but my sock drawer is not. It's a case of they just go in... They are paired up, though. That okay. is one thing. They have to it's be crucial. paired up. I can't not pair them up. But they're not in any kind of softness order or colour order. That is very much Prince Tangine's thing. And uh, perhaps one day I'll go in and 
like people Mary Kondo their places I could go or Marie Kondo I could go in Prince Tangine my doors <laughs> and uh, sort them out in order of softness oh, and also on that note do you fold your sparkly pants in rainbow order again that is something I should do probably mm. when I pack in a suitcase more so yeah. but no nothing is in rainbow order um, there are lots of rainbow coloured pants and socks um, but not in rainbow coloured order again I need to take a leaf out of Tangine's book <laughs> Finally, it was time to subject Laura Ellen Anderson to our grueling We Love Books favourites round. What is your favourite food? Roast dinner. Favourite animal? Labrador dog. What is your favourite colour? Purple. What was your favourite subject at school? Art. What is your favourite kids' book apart from your own? (laughs) The Witches. Good call. What is your favourite fruit? Banana. Interesting choice. What is your favourite kids' film? Casper the Friendly Ghost. What is your favourite time of year? Halloween, autumn, definitely. What is your favourite dessert? Sticky toffee pudding. What is your favourite sweet? Ooh, I'm not a big sweets eater. But actually recently I just discovered some really lovely fizzy fangs. Ooh, that's very appropriate. Very tasty and sugary and I don't know what actual name fizzy fangs i guess sounds good to me what was your favorite toy as a child i had a um from the raggy dolls cartoon and his name was sad sack and he was this sack thing (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i had a rag doll of him and i carried him around so much i still that he, he, one of his arms is hanging on by just one thread. He was my most favourite toy when I was younger. It's time now for our own in-house writer extraordinaire to emerge from the darkened basement in which we conceal him all week until he has concocted the perfect writing tip for us. It's over to the fantastic Dave Rudden. Hi, I'm Dave Rudden, author of Knights of the Borrowed Dark. This is your two-minute tip on approaching your second draft. Start the clock. So you've completed a first draft of a story, of a poem, even a novel. First off, congratulations. You are currently far further into your writing career than most people. This is an achievement to be proud of. Now let's tear it apart. I'm kidding. But I actually do love redrafting. There is nothing like the feeling of taking the raw material of a first draft and then refining it, making sure it's saying what you want it to say. Because first draft you had less experience. Less experience with the book, with the characters, with writing in general. But now you've seen the ending. You've lived with these characters and you've lived through the plot. And now you're reading it with the same eyes that have been taking in stories your entire life. Which means you can tell which bits are good or not. Which bits are needed or not. Which characters might need that little extra description or which characters can be cut out. My first drafts have a bad habit of corridor chapters. I'll write a full chapter of my characters walking down a corridor on their way somewhere important. Then, when I get to my second draft, I'll suddenly realise that chapter is pointless. I could just start in the important place instead of wasting time walking there. The thing is... I need to write that chapter to figure out that I don't need it. And you will too. 
only by looking at it on the page will you realise that you didn't need that paragraph or that you've repeated a line. Or you might find that you need extra scenes. You might want to make your villain more villainous. Or you now know at the end a friend betrays your hero and you want to put in some mild cackling or moustache stroking early on so it all hangs together. This is the purpose of the second draft. Broad stroke changes. Making sure the beginning matches the end. Next time, we'll get into the real gritty detail. Alright, challenge time. Take something you've already written and redraft it. Be tough. Take out anything that isn't good. Make sure the ending makes sense with the beginning. This is what real writers do all the time. And you're a real writer if you do it too. Dave out. Thanks, Dave. Now get back in your lab and cook us up another top tip for next week. Now, though, it's over to you. Here is a story that 11-year-old Evine has written and read for us today. Amal by Evine O'Sheridan. I used to have a simple, peaceful life, a life filled with joy and laughter, until one day, one horrendous day. The sun was splitting the rocks and the sweat was pouring off me. I was kneading the bread next to Mama when a red-faced man burst through our door. He was out of breath and exhausted. The, the Romans, they're here, he panted. I immediately started panicking, but Mama handled it all very well. Amal, go warn the town about the Romans, says Mama, softly. And you, you poor soul, have a seat and I'll fetch you a drink of water. The man has no time to protest as Mama pushed him into a seat gently. You must rest, and Amal, do go warn the town folks. Yes, Mama, I nod. As I ran out into the roasting street of Egypt, I saw a gigantic triangle of Roman men marching down the hill. They're so confident in their walk like they know they're going to win the battle. That alone strikes a powerful fear into my body. Not only that, but there must be over a thousand of them, all in perfect timing to the big drum that they're brandishing. I stood there for far too long, just gawping at the army. But I managed to snap out of my trance and run from door to door screaming, The Romans! The Romans are coming! Get your children to a safe place and prepare for the worst! After I could go no further, I walked back to my house where Mama was dabbing a wet cloth over the tired man's brow. She wasn't as calm as she had been earlier and she had a slight tremble in her voice. Amal, I want you to get your sisters from the field and bring them in here, Mama said shakily. I herded my sisters into the house as they sulked about me interrupting their game. All right, I better be going then, said the man, getting up from his seat and seeing himself to the door. Thank you so much for everything you have done, he said, and disappeared out the door. Mama was too distracted by now to even wave goodbye, so she just mumbled something in his direction. And then a window was smashed and the door was rammed down. Mama gasped as men grabbed me and my sisters away from Mama. I refused to cry in front of them, but shouted out, Mama! My mama held her hand out towards me and whispered, I promise I will find you again. Thanks, Evine. 
Well, that's it from We Love Books for today. Big shout out to all the wonderful people who helped to make this show possible and to all our fantastic kid contributors. You are a fabulous and talented crew. Join us next time on RTE Junior's We Love Books for an author who is a real wild spark. Vashti Hardy is in the house with a spooky real life ghost story. How intriguing. Until then, goodbye and happy reading.